0: Everybody, welcome to a special edition bonus episode of The Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison. And my name's Mike. Hi Mike. Hey.
1: So we're not going to be doing much of uh, any kind of intro here. This is uh, hot news and uh, everybody you had many, many people asking us about it, so... I said, uh, Allison, have you heard of this one? She looked into it and she said, uh, give me a few days. And it turned out she got 24 hours to turn around. On
0: this. No, not 24 hours. About oh, uh, 12. <laughs> about 12. Yeah. Okay. So my coworker had sent it to me as soon as I got home from work. And I was like, oh, and I went down the rabbit hole and here we are. So we're just going to jump right into this one. This is the brand new released um, information about a new arrest they made in a case that happened about 13 years ago. This is a story of Rex Hewerman and the Gilgo Beach murders. So this story actually begins on May 1st, 2010, when a frantic 911 call was placed by Shannon Gilbert, who then disappeared. The search for her led to the findings of nearly a dozen sets of remains and became known as the Gilgo Beach Murders. So again, it starts with Shannon Gilbert. She was living in Jersey City. She was frequently traveling into New York with her driver, Michael Pack. She worked as a sex worker to support her dreams of becoming a singer. On May 1st, 2010, she arrived at a client's home in Oak Beach, Long Island, for a regular call. Neither Shannon nor Michael had ever been to this location or had met this client. The client was Joseph Brewer. So Michael waited for Shannon as she was inside the house for hours. At 4.51 a.m., Shannon made a 911 call that lasted 22 minutes. 911 was called two additional times, and at this point, her client, Joseph Brewer, came out of the house basically asking Michael for help. When Michael got inside, he found Shannon. She was panicked, and she was holding a phone. Her 911 calls were very frantic. They were disorganized. She indicated that she was fearing for her life. She felt like somebody was after her. Oftentimes, her dialogue was confused. Her words were slurred. And other times, she was screaming. Sometimes, she didn't respond at all. Multiple operators tried to determine where she was. She said she didn't know. She asked if her location could be traced.
1: Hmm.
0: Both Michael and Joseph could be heard in the background trying to calm her down, um, trying to get her to leave Joseph's house, she fr- she ran from the house at 5:22 a.m. A neighbor called 911 as well, saying that Shannon was running around here screaming. There's some guy trying to follow her. This man was Michael. He had told the 911 operators that he'd keep watch until officers arrived. Shannon then ran to another neighbor's house. This person called nine one one two. From there, she ran off and she was never seen again. So by the time officers responded, it was basically a ghost town. Shannon, Michael, and Joseph were gone, nowhere to be found. Uh, the officers assumed that Shannon had just left with Michael and that the the case had been resolved. Sure. So this likely delayed the search. These 911 calls were eventually released by Suffolk County Police in May of 2022, 12 years after this happened. So if you were interested in hearing them, you can go online and, and hear them. So her mostly skeletal remains were sadly found 19 months after she went missing on Tuesday, December 13th, 2011. She was found in marsh reeds that can grow as tall as 12 feet During the time of year that she would have disappeared, this was likely the case, making it difficult to find her body. So um, her body was found about three quarters of a mile from where she was last seen, where she had fled from. Her autopsy was inconclusive both on cause and manner of death, and her death was ruled accidental. It was police belief that Shannon had gotten disoriented and followed the path of a trench through marshland, much of which can be very impassable and hard to navigate through on foot.
1: I mean, she was in a bad situation there. I mean, There was definitely something wrong, you know, drugs or something going on.
0: Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of thor- thorns and thickets and things like this. It makes it very hard to get through. Her family and friends, however, did not believe this idea because her personal items were found far from where her remains were ultimately located. Uh, Hmm. So uh, police say that there's a very plausible reason for that that she was likely hysterical she was potentially discarding her belongings as she moved along shannon's mother indicated that she did occasionally use cocaine but her toxicology came back negative for everything so it is reported that she had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder but she had not been taking her medication because she felt it made her feel jittery Mm. so that could possibly be that she was in a mental health crisis at that point so the Gilberts hired a private pathologist because, again, they did not believe that this was just a fluke accident. She got caught up in these thickets. She got confused. They weren't buying it. So they hired this pathologist who also concluded there was insufficient evidence to determine a definitive cause of death because, again, so much time had gone by, a lot of the evidence of what could have been seen on her body was now gone and decomposed. So they did, however, find signs on her remains that were consistent with manual strangulation and deem the findings consistent with homicide strangulation. So, that pathologist report did not line up with the first pathologist report. Not at all. So, now we're backtracking about a year. Because I said on December 13th, 2011 is when we found Shannon. But a year prior, almost to the day, it was December 11th, 2010. And Officer John Malia was doing a training session with his canine partner, Blue. It sounds like they were also out there looking for Shannon's body as well. In addition to whatever this training lesson was happening with the dog. While they were out there... They were along Ocean Parkway in Gilgo Beach and blue discovered human remains. Wow. These were later identified as those of Melissa Bartholomew and 2 days later on December 13th, 2010, the search continued and 3 additional bodies were found.
1: Oh wow. All so, within
0: days of each other. So we're we're looking talking at, like
1: 5 bodies.
0: So Shannon wasn't found Shannon. for another right. year, but at this point within days they're finding 4 female bodies. Wow. It's it's just insane. <laughs> So they were all found within a quarter mile of each other. They had been stuffed in bushes along a quarter mile stretch of Oce- Ocean Parkway and Oak Beach. These three bodies were identified as Maureen Brainerd Barnes, Megan Waterman, and Amber Costello. All were determined to be homicides and each were placed in close proximity to one another. Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped over the initial body they found. Did I say M- Melissa? Yes. Okay. So now we're at four females. Mm -hmm. So all were determined to be homicides and each were placed in close proximity to one another. Like I said, they were all placed within 22 to 33 feet from the edge of the parkway. Each girl was a petite female. They were ages 22 to 27 They were all believed to be working as sex workers. They all had missing clothing and personal possessions and all had had contact with a person using a burner cell phone shortly before they disappeared. And each one disappeared between the uh, years 2007 and 2010.
1: Okay. So you've got a pattern here.
0: mm -hmm. So the cell phones of two of the four victims were used by the killer after their deaths. Each of the four victims had been positioned similarly and bound in a similar way with either belts or tape, and three of the victims were found wrapped in burlap material. So we're seeing a very, very consistent pattern here, which would conclude that we are dealing with a serial killer at this point. So Shannon's body was found a year later, like I said, three miles from this location. Additionally, in April and May of 2011, the remains of six other individuals were also found. Over the years, police have indicated that they don't believe that one person is responsible for necessarily every single one of them, but the original four, yes, they do. So they were deemed the Gilgo Four, these four girls that they found between... December 11th, 2010, and December 13th, 2010. And incidentally, they're looking for a completely different girl's body when they come across this. So craziness. So the first is Maureen Brainerd Baines. She was 25 years old when she went missing. She had been living in Norwich, Connecticut, and was believed to have taken an Amtrak train from New London, Connecticut to Grand Central Terminal in Manhattan on July 6, 2007. When she arrived in Manhattan, she stayed at the Super 8 Motel, Located at fifty nine West Forty sixth Street, she was working as a sex worker and advertised her services on various websites. Oftentimes, it came down to the um, the same one was Craigslist. Was that I heard that they all utilized? She used various names on these sites, Juliana or Marie. She fell into the routine of traveling to Manhattan a few days of work, and you know, working as an escort. Then she would return back home to Connecticut. While in Manhattan, she typically stayed in the Motel 8, she would sometimes stay in the Red Roof Inn, she would sometimes stay at the Carter Hotel on 43rd Street, as well as the Manhattan Hotel on 8th Avenue." Maureen occasionally traveled with another female they would stay at the same motel work out of different rooms they often had a male friend that they would pose as their cousin kind of as like a barrier of protection because obviously this is a very dangerous line of work
1: 100%
0: so um, on this particular weekend that she went missing Maureen traveled with her friend though her friend did come home early she was last heard from on July 9th 2007 at 1143 p.m. when she had called her friend back in Connecticut she normally worked out of motel rooms, but on this night, she told her friend that she was meeting someone outside of the motel and what is called an outcall.
1: And, and I was thinking sex workers are just the most vulnerable because it's an illegal situation. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of these people don't want to call the cops, whether it's the sex worker or, you know, the person, definitely the person that is taking advantage of these services. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, kind of under an underbelly and it's a, the, you know, the whole business is a man calling a woman over, you know, one-on-one and that's dangerous.
0: Yeah. Highly dangerous. So Maureen was reported missing by a friend to the Norwich Police Department on July 14, 2007. The NYPD assisted the Norwich PD in the investigation. They eventually took over because obviously it happened in New York. It was ultimately discovered that between July 6th and the 9th, there were 16 interactions between her cell phone and a burner phone. On July 9th, the last cell site location for her phone was at 1156 p.m. in Midtown Manhattan near the 59th Street Bridge. Her phone had no further activity until July 12, 2007, three days later, after she had disappeared, with two outbound calls checking her voicemail from a location near the Long Island Expressway in Islandia. Her body was discovered on December 13th, 2010. This was, you know, the day I had previously talked about on the north side of Ocean Parkway near Gilgo Beach. She was restrained by three leather belts. She is believed to be the first victim of the Gilgo Four. Um, She with these belts that she was restrained with. One of the belts was black leather and embossed with the letters either W.H. or H.M., Hmm. And it was believed that this belt had been handled by the killer and belonged to the killer because it it did not belong to Maureen. So now we're moving on to the second victim, which is Melissa Bartholomew. She was 24 years old when she was last seen at her home where she lived in a basement apartment in the Bronx on july 10th 2009 so that's the last time she was ever seen she also was a sex worker she also advertised her services online melissa was contacted by a burner phone on july 3rd and then again on the 6th 9th and 10th
1: wow so he's working them at the same time
0: well um this was 2007 versus 2009
1: oh, okay so right around the same time. right around just... the same
0: time so what's going on at this time yeah. of year and okay. you might come to a conclusion once the story goes on so um, she he was, again, contacting her 6th, 9th, 10th. Again, the last day she was seen was July 10th, 2009 um she was seen okay so on this day cell records indicate that the burner phone traveled from massapequa park to midtown manhattan melissa was known to meet clients at bars restaurants and hotels on the west side of manhattan on the night that she was last seen she told her friend that she was going to see a man and she would just see her in the morning she offered her no other details her cell phone records show that she traveled from the Bronx to Manhattan, likely via taxi. The last location on her cell phone was Massapequa on July eleventh, two thousand nine, at approximately one forty-three AM. On this day, her phone was used to make an outbound call to check her voicemail hmm. from a location in Freeport. And then um On July 11th and 12th, her phone made two more outbound calls, checking her voicemail from a location in Babylon. Melissa's mother hadn't been able to contact her for several days, so she reported her missing to the NYPD on July 18th, which was six days after she was last seen. So on July 17th, July 23rd, August 5th and 19th, as well as August 26th. This is very disturbing. The phone, her phone made taunting calls to Melissa's sister. Some resulted in conversation with a male caller who admitted to killing and sexually assaulting Melissa.
1: Disgusting.
0: Disgusting. I mean, this is just sick. I
1: mean, he's probably actively touching himself while he's doing this. Mm -hmm. No doubt about it. And getting off on it because as we cover all the time, it's always a sexually based thing.
0: And then, of course, her body was found on December eleventh, twenty ten. This was part of, of course, the Gilgo Four. And again, this um, she was suspected to be the second victim of this person. Now, moving on to the third victim is Megan Waterman. She was twenty two years old when she was last seen on June sixth, two thousand ten. So again, we're kind of in the June July area of seven, nine, and now ten.
1: Yep, right she, around July fourth. Right, right around people, there,
0: like some sort of holiday. A lot of people have time off. Vacations. Mm-hmm. So she lived in Scarborough, Maine, and she worked as a sex worker, also advertising online. She would use the names Lexi and Sexy Lexi. She was last seen by her family boarding a New York-bound Concord tra- Trailways bus in Maine, possibly with her pimp. She was staying at the Holiday Inn Express in, um, I know I'm going to say this wrong, and I looked it up, son of a gun, Hapag. I, I know I'm saying that wrong. I'm I think sorry. It's Yes. Thank you. It is. I phonetically did it in in another location. So she was known to stay at other hotels and motels along Long Island. She left her hotel at 1 30 AM on June 6, 2010 to meet a client. She called her pimp who was staying in Brooklyn and told him that she was going to the convenience store near the hotel. Her cell phone was contacted by a burner phone on June 5th, which had been just activated that day. From um, On June 6th, when she was last seen, she was seen on the hotel's uh, surveillance video from the lobby at one thirty one a.m. Um, this burner phone contacted her just about this time. And again, this was the last time she was ever seen alive. Um, and then after that, the burner phone had no further activity. Megan's phone traveled from Massapequa, and this was the last location at 3.11 a.m., so Megan was reported missing to the Scarborough, Maine PD on June 8th, 2010. Family members indicated that it wasn't like her not to check in on her three-year-old daughter. The Scarborough PD contacted the Suffolk County PD July to... 8th.
1: You said June 8th, so you meant July 8th probably?
0: Oh, no, June. Didn't I oh. say June? Okay, yeah, you yeah. Said
1: June. Okay. I yeah. Thought, the, she went everything. missing
0: on June 6, 2010. Oh, so this one. I said in June, June, July okay, is gotcha. what I was saying. So, regardless, like the summer months, mids, yeah. midsummer, June, July. So, again, she was reported missing um, when she was uncannily not responding to them, not checking in on her child, which she would have never done.
1: And do we have her uh, voicemail being checked and all that stuff too? Um,
0: she they didn't say about her phone being utilized no okay. they weren't checking voicemails and such on her phone but the burno phone was in contact with her phone so again her phone traveled um to massapequa park and its last known location was 311 a.m. on the on the early morning hour she went missing So, um, again, she was found on December 13th, 2010, two days after Melissa and the same day as Maureen and Amber, she was bound by clear or white duct tape. She is believed to be the third victim of the Gilgo four, And then on April 11th, 2012, Megan's pimp was arrested on federal charges of interstate trafficking and prostitutes in, in January of 2013, he was sentenced to three years in federal prison, but there's no information to suggest that he had any knowledge of what happened to her or any involvement. So that was just separate charges. And then our fourth victim of the Gilgo four is Amber Lynn Costello. She was 27 years old. She lived in West Babylon when she was last seen by acquaintances Amber was addicted to heroin and lived in a home with one other female and two other men who were also addicted to heroin. She worked as a sex worker and advertiser services online. She used names such as Carolina or Mia She had moved from Clearwater, Florida to New York and completed a 28-day stay at a drug rehab facility, but she had relapsed just not long before she disappeared, sadly. That's too bad. So she and her roommate shared a cell phone together. The female roommate was also a sex worker, the two men that they lived with would arrange client meetings, and Amber did both in calls at the house as well as out calls. She was last seen alive leaving her home in West Babylon in the late evening hours of September 2nd, 2010. The day before this we get a lot of information from this part here. So the day before, which was September first, her cell phone was contacted by a burner phone at eleven thirty three PM. I'm sorry, eleven thirty three PM. Yeah, I was saying that right. As well as eleven thirty-four p.m. This phone was connected to cell towers in West Amneville and Massapequa Park and then traveled to West Babylon in the vicinity of Amber's home. So they're they're able to track to say like, okay, this is the person we think we're looking for. So at 12.05 a.m., it was in the vicinity of where she lived. According to a witness around this time, the client came to Amber's house. She was going to do an in-call, I guess, this time. So her roommates have done this thing in the past. They call it a ruse where they get the client to pay for services before they've been rendered. And then one of the men comes into the room pretending to be an irate and jealous boyfriend or husband. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, he's flipping out. So the client gets scared and, and runs out of the house.
1: Yeah, and they keep the money.
0: So they've got the money and she didn't have to do anything for it. So they actually decided to do that this night. So they described that this person was between six foot four and six foot six big dude in his mid 40s with dark bushy hair and big oval 1970s type glasses. Hmm. A witness described him looking like an ogre and he (laughs) had a Chevy Avalanche parked into the in the driveway, which they all obviously deduced the fact that he had driven that car. So the witness said that the client said he was just her friend and tell her I'll give her a call and then left the house.
1: Chevy Avalanches are pretty remarkable cars. Like you can you'll you pick them out pretty easily.
0: Okay. I'm not a car person. So I'm not even sure what that is. So at 118 a.m. Now that we're moving on to the time frame, she actually goes missing. So it was September 2nd. The burner phone texted Amber. That was not nice. So do I get credit for next time? Within two minutes of this message being sent, this phone was located in Massapequa Park, that evening Amber was contacted by the same client who indicated that he wanted to see her again this night but not at her house somewhere else because obviously he wasn't going to do a run-in with a boyfriend or a husband again. Yeah. So he communicated with her on um, ten at 10.39 p.m. and 11.05 p.m. At 11.17 p.m. the phone traveled to the area of Amber's house and this was when Amber left and was seen alive for the last time.
1: Well, what do they know normally- do in these situations maybe they don't normally get contacted again because the guy is like too afraid you know to to, to call her back
0: i don't know but,
1: like this is that, that's interesting like because you would
0: think that would put you in an even more dangerous situation because now he's pissed yeah exactly like you just screwed me out of my money and yeah, yeah i mean that that does put her at a more dangerous position and
1: maybe she just wanted to make him happy and be done with it so she right off.
0: and keep in mind you know drug addiction is happening here so sure. people are desperate yeah So, again, she's leaving her house, seen for the last time, right around the time of 11.17 p.m.-ish. So, she, um, shortly after she left, a witness saw a dark-colored truck pass the house coming from the direction that Amber had just walked towards. She did not have her cell phone because, again, they kind of shared the cell phone, so she was without that. She was never reported missing, and that just breaks my heart. Yeah,
1: nobody to care for her. So
0: sad. So, her body was found, again, on December thirteenth, 2010, Um, She was found bound by three places or pieces of clear or white duct tape. She is believed to be the fourth and final victim of this grouping, the Gilgo Beach or the Gilgo Four, I should say. And then, of course, uh, we're moving back towards a year into this. Shannon's death is, you know, still believed to be accidental. So she is not necessarily grouped into any of this. So years before these five women's bodies were found, a decade earlier, it was September of 2000, the partial remains of a 24-year-old Philadelphia mother was found. Her name, ultimately, we found out, was Valerie Mack, but we did not know that for a very long time. Oh, really? So she was found in a wooded area in Manorville, and because of the extent of the decomposition, when she was found, she was initially classified as Jane Doe number no. 6. On Thursday, May twenty eighth, 2020, nearly two decades later, her remains were finally able to have an identity.
1: Wow, how that happened.
0: They used genetic genealogy. So Suffolk County investigators found her biological relatives, which ultimately led to her adoptive family, who she was raised by. That's insane. As well as her son. She also went by the alias Melissa Taylor. Her family was so thankful that after so much time, they were able to have closure, even though 20 years had gone by, that they knew what happened to her because they never had any idea. Additional human remains were also uncovered in Gilgo Beach and in Nassau County, about 40 miles east of New York City. These included a female toddler, an Asian male, and Valerie Mack, the one that we just talked about. On July 26, 2003, the partial skeletal remains of Jessica Taylor, who was also a sex worker in New York City, was located in a wooded area of Manorville just as Valerie Mack was. Same location. Also sex worker. At least 10 sets of human remains have been discovered since 2010.
1: Was this Valerie Mack a sex worker that you know of?
0: I believe so, okay. if I'm not mistaken. So, on the night of Thursday, July thirteenth, two 2023, just a few days ago, 59-year-old Rex Andrew Hewerman was arrested and charged with 3 counts of first-degree murder and 3 counts of second-degree murder for the deaths of 3 women thus far, Melissa Bartholomew, Megan Waterman and Amber Costello. He has not yet been charged with Maureen's murder though it is con- he's considered the prime suspect and from what they're saying that this is expected to be resolved soon. So it sounds like he'll ultimately possibly end up being faced with four. Okay. So Rex is an architect. And according to his website at RH architecture design, he founded RH consultants and associates Inc in 1994 and has extensive experience providing over 30 years of service in Manhattan. Um, By the time I had gotten to the website, the meet the team link had already been removed, but um, some people had screenshotted it before it it was taken down. But it was indicated that on the meet the team link, his daughter works with the company. Oh,
1: my God. Can you imagine? No,
0: I cannot. So um, he was taken into custody late Thursday night and a large police presence was at his house on Friday morning in the village of Massapequa Park. Again, I'm saying that word. A lot of the locations we traced phones to were Massapequa Park. So he was arraigned in court on Friday and pleaded not guilty. The judge ordered him held without bail. He was in tears after his arrest, denying any involvement. Oh,
1: you poor baby. Mm, you poor baby. I'm so your, sad for you. Your DNA is connected to all these girls that are no longer living because of your dumbass situation.
0: So he has a wife of about 27 years, a daughter and a stepson. Sources indicate that he was devoted to his wife who had health problems as well as to his elderly mother the case had baffled authorities for more than a decade, and the unsolved killings have been subject of many CBS 48 hours, as well as a 2020 Netflix film called Lost Girls. Uh-huh. So in February of 2022, a task force was put together within law enforcement. They like partnered up with the Suffolk County PD, New York State PD, Suffolk County Sheriff's Office, and the FBI, in order to be all hands on deck in getting this solved. So on March 14th, 2022, two months into the investigation, or maybe even just a month, the review led to the discovery of a Chevy avalanche that was registered to Rex at the time of the murders. This is is significant of course, because this is the car that was parked in the driveway of Amber Costello's house, the last time she was ever seen yep so this discovery led to an investigation of rex so first they're finding the the avalanche and then ever all the cards are falling into place so they start um investigating him and they got over 300 subpoenas search warrants and other legal processes to obtain evidence court documents indicate that much planning and forethought went into these crimes over a 14 month period he had over 200 searches on his internet search pertaining to the Gilgo beach investigation. And he had recently been compulsively searching for images of the victims and their families. It was clear to investigators that he was trying to locate these individuals huh. and why he would want to know where the family members were. I, I don't know. Well,
1: Probably. I mean, we did hear that he wanted to talk to one of the you know family members and he got off on talking to them <sighs> about what he did to their family member and probably wanted to talk to more or just be like, yeah, I killed him you know like touching himself at his computer like a piece of scum shit bag
0: yeah it's just so so disturbing and then you know this is a segue speaking of disturbing the search browsing history on his um computer was just horrific there were a lot of just very very troubling searches.
1: I would say like maybe skip. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm forward. not
0: gonna, I'm not gonna read anything. But there was a lot that were specific to ten year old children. So a lot about uh, child pornography, like one of them nude slave girls, preteen girl with makeup, teen girl oiled bodies, just on and on and on, very torturous, abusive type of. Sexual images and videos that he was looking for.
1: I read some other words too, like slave and crying and all just Mm -hmm. anything bad you can think of is basically what this guy was searching for.
0: So cell phone records for Rex correspond to cell locations for the burner phones that were used to arrange meetings for you know the four victims. At the time of these murders, Rex lived in Massapequa Park, where he still lives to this day. And each woman was believed to have disappeared from this area. He was um, working in Midtown Manhattan in the vicinity where the taunting calls were made to Melissa's sister. His American Express records showed numerous times that he was in close proximity from the burner phone. So the burner phone is tracking with the use of his American Express card. Okay. Okay. Um, Rex is believed to be the person who used these burner phones to communicate with each of the four victims before they disappeared. He also used Maureen and Melissa's phones after their deaths. When Amber disappeared, obviously, they had witness accounts of what this person looked like.
1: Wait, you said he used their phones after the deaths. Do we have him attached to their phones? Somehow? It would
0: be all with the tracking okay. of where things are located. Based They're on all where, together.
1: Based on where they were used, mm-hmm. he was nearby. He was nearby. It, okay.
0: It's all corresponding. So again, with Amber's murder, they had witness... You know, they visualized this person, they said what he looked like. So again, they described him as between uh, six foot four and six foot six, he's six foot four. They said he was in his mid 40s. He was 46 years old at the time. Um, He had dark bushy hair, just like they said. And he wore glasses just like they described and he drove that avalanche. I like
1: a a serial killer mm -hmm. would wear those glasses. Yeah, Yeah,
0: and I'm like, it's 2010. What in the hell are you wearing 1970s large oval glasses? Get a clue. And if you look at his mugshot, he looks like an ogre. I'm not even joking. Like, I'm not saying that to be a a certain way but it's like
1: oh be a certain way it's fine he's a serial well allegedly a allegedly
0: so and lo and behold his wife was out of town during the times that melissa megan and amber disappeared it's undetermined at the time if his wife was out of town when maureen disappeared just because certain records may have disappeared by the time they were doing these searches um his children were also out of time out of town during the time that these girls disappeared so it again you said it seems like a funny time it's always like july june july well obviously she was taking her trips at that point he he used it to his advantage wow so Rex is believed to be the person. Oh, I already read that. So he has a number of online accounts, a lot of alias names online.
1: Well, sure, you're uh, mm-hmm. actively killing many different women. You, you, you you're not to putting yourself.
0: You're not putting yourself forward. So he had a lot of uh, burner cell phones, which he held. He used with fictitious names. One character with the username Springfield Man Nine on his AOL account revealed a selfie taken by him. So like it's directly linked to him. Oh wow. Wow. Um, To solicit and arrange sexual activity, which, like, the picture he used, it's like, that's that's the picture that's the you're, you're using? using to represent yourself?
1: Well, I guess if you have money, it's really all that matters.
0: Well, I'll tell you more about that, too. That's interesting, because I pictured him as this very rich man, because they were responsible for doing the architecture of a lot of, like, very well-known accounts. Well,
1: owning an architectural firm in Manhattan. Right. You know. But
0: then I'll tell you some weird things towards the end. So he was seen also on surveillance video May 19th, 2020. Just you know, a couple months ago, at a cell phone store in Midtown Manhattan, he was purchasing additional minutes to add to this burner phone. Female hairs were recovered on three of the victims, and on or about July twenty first, twenty twenty two, an undercover SCPD detective recovered eleven bottles from the garbage can from his home. DNA profiling shows with near 100% certainty that these hairs that were found on these three victims are a match to Rex's wife. Ah. so again she wasn't there this has nothing to do with her he lives in her house it attaches
1: rex to 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 them yeah
0: so obviously it's these hairs were transferred from his own belongings or his own self if you live with a female you look down at the ground there's hair
1: insane police work yeah fantastic exactly
0: so so then that's directly tying him then again hair recovered from the skeletal remains and burlap found on megan specifically were compared to dna from a recovered pizza box that Rex threw away on January 26, 2023. So they're tailing this guy around the city. They watch him holding a pizza box. They watch him throw it into a receptacle. Boom, they take it out. There's some crust left over in the box. They test the DNA on the crust. Boom. He's a match.
1: Oh, that is fantastic. That's, you know, I did see something about a pizza, Mm -hmm. and so they got the DNA from the pizza. His
0: nasty-ass chewed-up crust. Oh,
1: my God. That's fantastic police work, man. Fantastic. I mean, that's what they say. You can learn a lot about people in their garbage, and Mm -hmm. they nailed them on that. It's
0: true. And, again, it's because this task force was was formed that they did have all hands on deck that this is solved.
1: How many resources they put into this. Amazing. So nice to see it pay off.
0: So good. So his next-door neighbor indicated that They were stunned by the news of his arrest, saying that they had been there for 30 years. He was described, according to them specifically, as quiet, really never bothering anyone. However, on the flip side, a lot of people were like, he was creepy as shit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um also like menacing just a bad vibe from him they said he would often be seen in the front yard like chopping wood and just like giving menacing like mean mugging looks if
1: you can uh count on anybody to be honest it's gonna be new yorkers We're like you know <laughs> quite honestly uh he's kind of a scumbag i didn't like him
0: So a man who went to high school with him said that he was bullied, meaning Rex was bullied as a teenager, but sometimes he would fight back. The house that police raided in the suburb, which was 40 miles east of Midtown Manhattan, was said to stick out like a sore thumb. And this is the weird part. Like, I totally pictured this guy being loaded, living this rich lifestyle. The converged small red house that was in just repair I should say is where police all went to you see overgrown shrubs wood piled up in front of the house it was literally in the articles that I read the house you tell your kids you don't go there on Halloween you're skipping that house for trick or treating one of the stories was that the kid actually did go because the husband wanted to see inside the house he's like I got to, I got to get a peek (laughs) inside this place so he did bring the kids to the house and Rex was the one that passed passed out the, the candy they got home and they're like oh where the mom's like where'd you get that one from oh over there she's like throw that shit away oh my gosh so it was like that house oh well, great
1: good idea mom
0: and his backyard neighbor he and his friend would like just sit on their back porch and have a beer or two and just look at his dilapidated house dilapidated home and they actually made the comment that guy's got bodies in there <sighs> wow. so I, and obviously they weren't in there no, but, but it's
1: he's saying he's a possible serial killer because of how weird he is
0: right so he was raised in this house that he lives in currently and that the police raided and again it's only a few miles across the bay from the beach where the bodies were found. A neighbor reported that Rex wore a suit and a tie and commuted commuted into Manhattan via train every day. He found it strange that he would look like a businessman leaving from this house that looked like a dump.
1: Yeah. It was
0: very befuddling to people. Did
1: his family live there too?
0: I assume so. They okay, didn't his, say his one his way or another. That lives,
1: that works She's
0: probably an adult so she oh, might be living on her own at the time. That's true. Now, so according to a timeline released by prosecutors rex kept busy in his work even while these disappearances and murders were happening like people look back at the timeline of okay what was he doing on this day this day this day this day
1: like yeah closing this deal and yeah. uh, go moving on to mm-hmm. this client yeah
0: Um, When Melissa's family and this is very chilling to me, when Melissa's family received the menacing calls from her phone, they were placed during lunchtime and after work hours from the locations right by his office. Mm. So I'm thinking of this piece of shit heading down to go get a sandwich at the shop across the street and stopping and having enough disgusting balls to call her family and taunt them. like what you've you've wiped their their precious daughter out and now you're gonna call them like that's an extra slice of evil
1: yeah twist on the knife
0: yeah so i mean that just tells you what kind of guy this is so he is known to be years late in paying hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes he has reportedly filed lawsuits accusing drivers of injuring him in car accidents between 2014 and 2022, he filed four lawsuits claiming serious and permanent personal injury. And he's walking around the streets just fine. I don't know, kind of serious injury.
1: Able to murder plenty of women that were probably fighting for their lives. Well,
0: this was between 2014 and 2022. Oh, okay so he has permits for 92 guns whether or not he owns all 92 I we don't yet know he does have an extremely large safe in his house with a lot of guns Wow! so they haven't yet tallied everything this is all this all literally went down like yesterday and the night before a person who knows him was on the phone with him that evening probably right before he ended the call got on the train and went back home and then got arrested he's like oh yeah he was laughing he was joking like any other little did he know what was waiting for him Piece of garbage. So um he was hired to renovate a Harlem apartment building in September of two thousand seven. It was declared unsafe by fire officials who ordered two dozen families to evacuate. So it kind of just gives you a little picture of what kind of guy we're we're dealing with. He was also known by a local Whole Foods as the Orange Guy <laughs> after he got into an altercation with an employee when he was putting clementines from a bowl that were left for children into his pockets. <sighs> They're like, hey, guy, uh, those are for the kids. Yeah,
1: you're not a kid. Leave it alone.
0: And so these people that stopped him and got into the altercation with him are now seeing these news reports Thursday night, Friday morning, whatever. And they're like, oh my God, that's the orange guy. The orange guy,
1: remember? He was taking the kids' Clementines.
0: And then actor Billy Baldwin tweeted that he went to school with Rex. They graduated from Massapequa's Burner High School in 1981 together. Uh, New York Governor Kathy Hochul made a statement on Friday, July 14th. This was what yesterday? Yeah, yesterday. And said, yes, the day has finally come when someone so depraved of heart who would kill individuals, innocent individuals, in the prime of their young lives is finally brought to justice. And his next court date is scheduled for August 1st. And that's where we are.
1: I mean, so horrible that he took so many lives, but so satisfying that he is caught and he will not get out because we've got everything on him, basically.
0: So what I'm wondering is how many other people has he killed yeah and is it has he because he was still actively you know, sending out his, his picture onto sites to get girls to come and meet him. He was actively adding minutes to his burner phones. Granted, you could say, Oh, he was just hiring sex workers innocently. He didn't want his wife to know. I just would like to know if there's more casualties to this guy.
1: Yeah. I mean, anything's possible. Um, and did you, you mentioned Shannon Gilbert first, was he connected to her at all?
0: No. So not that we, there's no deeming of yes. Okay. The whole thing with Shannon was, she was the domino effect that started, this because they were looking for her body got it which incidentally they didn't find for another year after they incidentally found these four other girls
1: okay so that could have been completely unrelated it
0: could have been completely unrelated right now it's being ruled is yes her death according to police it's accidental okay nobody murdered her again i will tell you her family did hire that private pathologist they said homicide
1: okay so all we know not all um what how many bodies are attached to Rex for right
0: now. There three. are four attached to him, but only three is what he's charged like, for. They think it's only a matter of time until the piece falls in for Maureen's murder.
1: And we know when these court dates happen, there's going to be more information. Sure, about.
0: They're still working on all of this. And they said that they decided to do it Thursday night because of course they've they've had a lot of information but they want to build a rock solid case that this guy can't get out right but they were also weighing it on okay is he finding out is he a danger to the public at this point
1: yeah you can't be letting him be loose and all of a sudden somebody Somebody else else dies so
0: that's where it was made because something must have happened that he must have potentially known something however that one person was talking to him on the phone at work just before he would have left to go home and get arrested
1: well to be clear this guy doesn't exactly have a conscience he has none i mean he could be anything he could be he could have just killed somebody that same day sure and And talk to that guy
0: that is completely true because again they say looking back on the dates that he would have done these things to these girls completely normal at work i wonder if he like
1: stashed his money because he was probably making good money
0: this is the house he grew up in as a child so this house had no payments you know
1: i'm really curious he probably probably has millions stashed away
0: either that or maybe his company but why was he so backlogged and taxes
1: probably just didn't want to get rid of it at all you know i mean he should have if he's a smart businessman to pay your taxes dumbass.
0: yeah and the whole time i'm researching this case and looking at his website and hearing about his own company and this and that i'm picturing this lavish lifestyle and then i'm reading about this dilapidated shithole house (sighs) yeah i'm like wait what this was his childhood home so maybe he was one of those hoarders of money that lives as if he was you know impoverished but is just one of those that just hoards the money. Like Scrooge. For, you know? Exactly. Yeah, right.
1: He's ultimately a serial killer Scrooge. Right. Allegedly.
0: He certainly doesn't look like somebody that's spending frivolously. Yeah. And frivorously.
1: So no word from his daughter, obviously. No. It's so new. This is brand happened. new.
0: This just happened late Thursday night. I
1: could not imagine being in his family, daughter, wife. Yeah. I mean, just the amount of, like, you know, everybody's obviously people are going to come after you because people are idiots on social media. It's not their faults no. that their husband and dad are, is a scumbag.
0: They were living with the devil, and yeah. they didn't know it. Oh. And it sounds like, again, from one of the sources I read, that his wife is not in very good health. So, you know, I don't know what the situation is there, but my hearts go out to his family because— To think back of the years and oh my gosh, I was in blah, blah, blah when that happened. So when I talked to him on the phone that night, he went out and killed a girl. Like you put the pieces in every piece that slides into place is another horror of thinking over the years. Oh my gosh. I do wonder how he finagled like all these meetups. Like if his family because there was a lot of phone calls and stuff i don't i guess if you're a business owner you have a lot of excuses like oh i got this work thing oh
1: yeah he's in manhattan it's like i gotta close this i gotta meet a client or whatever i'm
0: gonna catch the train home you know late
1: i just gotta kill somebody i mean go Uh, meet somebody uh,
0: i mean i got a business meeting yeah Uh. so that's exactly where we are it It makes me feel comforted that on top of the burner phone activity, it's the DNA that was found on the the bodies that links him directly into instances with his wife's DNA and then his own DNA. Yeah. So that to me is the nail in the coffin in my book. But of course, Innocent Until Proven Guilty is where we stand in this country in America. And that's where we are in this case. And we will come to you again as scheduled with our usual Sunday episode, which Every is Sunday. tomorrow.
1: Every single Sunday, brand new episode. Mm-hmm.
0: This one was just an outlier. I asked Mike, I'm like, do you think I should do this in lieu of our regular? And he's like, no. Just...
1: I don't want to push too much uh, pressure on your plate there because you do a lot of stuff.
0: But... Well, you can't pass something like this by. This was like a monumental case. We had
1: several, several people uh, suggest it. So yeah. yeah, hopefully this you know brought everything together for you. And yeah. if you like what you hear, click uh, subscribe, that little plus button in the corner of your phone. And and uh listen to us next
0: week and if you really like what you are listening to you could even become a patron yep whether it's to hear the 28 ish episodes of bonus content that we have or just because you want to support like mike always calls us a mom and pop podcast yep that you know we will welcome you with open arms we appreciate each and every one of you for being here thank you for sticking this out with us and until further ado we will see you next time Bye. bye